0: So, good morning. good morning! It's good to see y'all, church family. Uh, I want to assure y'all once again that we are not becoming a cowboy church, okay? But we're about to watch a video uh, of a country singer performing a song that he wrote for his daughter. And it fits right in with our subject today. And folks, i got to tell you, I've been really excited uh, about preaching. For the last few days, I've been excited about preaching this message. Uh, because after talking about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, and then biblical parenthood. Now we're going to talk about biblical childhood, and that just that just makes sense. I want to thank Tom, who's not here today, but he, he's the one who put the bug in my ear for this. Um, and, and so, kids, this one's for you. I'm trying to look around at the kids, and some of them aren't even here. What's that? <laughs> they all, they're, they're all gone. No, uh, so kids, this one's for you this morning. Um, and so. I want to say that, but I also want to let you adults know this is not like for you to go, oh, it's just for the kids. Oh, well, I'll just sit here and, you know, read a novel or something. No, the the, the thing is all that we're talking about today has something to apply to each person here. So um, just be aware of that. And I'm going to explain uh, for the next couple of minutes. I want to explain to the grownups kind of how this message is going to go while the kids are trying to find the bingo pictures. I think there's 11 in this next one here. Um, Friends, y'all may know, there really isn't a whole lot that is in the Bible that is specifically directed toward children, okay? In fact, a lot of stuff in the Bible would make it, it would be rated a hard R if this were made into a movie, okay? And and that said, Scripture gives us a pretty positive view of children. It's really, it's clear from Jesus' ministry that God has a special place in his heart for children, especially little ones. He commanded that his apostles not hinder the little ones from coming to him. You know, he said the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he said that no one enters the kingdom of heaven unless they enter it like a little child. He promised that those who caused his little ones to stumble would be better off being tossed into the ocean with a giant rock around their neck. You know, he is... He's very invested in children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. I don't know why Brown didn't make it into that song, but it should be. Just saying. But he also loves bigger children, he, he even loves grown ups and old people. Just saying. To try to include everyone here. Um, now, now, I don't see a whole lot of small children in this room. There's a couple, but nearly everyone here is old enough to understand what we're going to talk about. And so it's mainly aimed at the kids in this room, from elementary up through college age. Okay? But it's also, it's also something that we grown-ups really need to hear because it informs how we interact with young people. I think one of the most important observations about our modern culture is that we have far too low of expectations for Christians, and especially for children and youth, especially for people that fall into the teenage years. Our expectations are too low. We're going to get into some of that later, but I I want to encourage each of you, while we're going through this message, think about the children. Think about even the young adults in your life, the ones that are within your sphere of influence and, and maybe the people that you need to hold up to a higher standard as far as behavior, as far as, as where they're headed in life, so that they can understand what they're currently being exposed to is probably not high enough expectations, especially spiritually in their lives. So what we're going to do now, we're going we're to pray, and then we're going to start the video, and then we're going to go from there. So if you'd bow with me. Father, God, I I thank you for today. I thank you for the young people in this room and the older people in this room and the oldest people in this room. And Father, I thank you for the blessing of being able to preach your word to your people. And God, I just ask in the precious name of your son, Jesus, that we are all good soil that will be receptive to the seed that lands. And as always, I ask, Father, may it take root and bear fruit in our lives, God. I pray that the people that are here, Father, will take something away from this that will make a difference in their life. In Jesus' name.
1: My precious darling daughter with your curls all in a mess Lie down and spell let me tell you a story while you rest It's tale about a couple of sprouts each grown from a tiny seed One was a baby oak tree and the other was a weed Now spring came with its heavy rain and that weed got an early start He grew up quickly, but he was prickly and hollow in his heart. That oak tree he was tiny, just a twig and not much more. But there was something strong about him, something sturdy in his core. Well, summer came and that weed was the biggest, baddest thing around. Soaking up all the water while everyone else was turning brown. He was quite the sight at his height, right near six feet tall. And all the pretty wildflowers loved him best of all. Well, summer turned to autumn, and the green leaves turned to gold. One clear night when the moon was bright, there came a freezing cold. A killing frost crept across that meadow and cast its spell, and in the morning there lay the weed withered where he fell. Well, winter that year was bitter, cruel and icy cold, and the snow piled up in drifts along the fence line by the road, and if anything was living, it was hidden out of sight, hunkering down and hoping just to make it through the night. Ah, La-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. La-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Oh, but then the wind blew warm again The way it always does Tulips popped up through the snow And the bees began to buzz That weed that once had been so tall Was now just a memory But there were once a twig had been Now stood a young oak tree. He kept right on growing, grew up straight and true and tall, and every spring he watched those weeds come up just to wither in the fall. He stood through floods and droughts and bouts with bugs and wind and hail, but his trunk was deeply rooted and his big heart never failed. Nowadays he stands majestic, tallest thing for miles. Mighty arms outstretched to catch the sun when it smiles. The birds nest in his branches and the deer rest in his shade. squirrels sitting on burls eating his acorns. Have it made. Now my daughter, many years from now a boy will come along he'll catch your eye and make you sigh with a smile or with a song and you'll want to cling together take a run and go with life and he'll kneel and tell you how he feels and he'll ask you to be his wife and i'll gladly give you to him when that day finally comes knowing i won't lose a daughter but instead i'll gain a son just so long as you remember my little tail about two seeds and you make sure that boy is an oak tree not a weed <laughs>
0: What do y'all think? I love that song. It, it has a special significance to today's message. You know, weeds grow up tall and fast and sometimes even pretty, but they die quickly. And they're not good for much. Oak trees, on the other hand, can live for centuries. Oak trees are strong and they're beautiful and they provide food for animals and shade. And they They even keep topsoil in place so other trees can grow. Even after they die, what they leave behind is valuable. Their wood is still good because it's still strong and beautiful. It's made into strong and beautiful things. So kids, would you rather grow up to be like an oak tree or like a weed? Oak tree? I hope so. If you get married one day, would you rather it be a person who is like an oak tree or like a weed? Thanks. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Being an oak tree doesn't happen automatically. It's not just from the seed. It has a lot to do with choices that you make throughout your lives. Now, kids, this is for you. I want you to listen today, okay? We're going to start with the only story in the Bible about Jesus when he was a a kid, in between being maybe three-ish and being 30-ish. This is the only story in the Bible. This is Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, turn to Luke chapter 2. If you don't have your Bible, then maybe one of you parents grab your phone or whatever and and find it for your kiddo. we're going to start in verse 41. says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when Jesus was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. When the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. Now, this isn't as bad of parenting as it sounds, okay, because women and children would usually travel separately from the men in the large groups when they were going from place to place. And, and Jesus was at an age where he could have been considered a child, but he was also close enough to being a man that he could also travel with the men. And so probably mom thought he was with dad, dad thought he was with mom, right? And so almost every parent has probably done this at some point. <laughs> you know, we've, we've misplaced our child with one of the other parents. I think, uh, didn't, didn't you get left at church one time? Yep, Dana's nodding back there. Uh, <laughs> it's, and it, it's, you know, because it's just parents. We don't know, we think. The other parents doing the job. So anyway, uh, his parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. Can you imagine the growing sense of panic as a parent, right? When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Now remember, Mary and Joseph both knew that he would grow up to be the Messiah. They both knew, and they knew he was literally a miracle baby, but they were probably still panicking. They are probably wondering if they had somehow ruined God's plans, right? After three days, now, just hold up, okay? After three days, I get concerned when I can't find my kids for a few minutes, especially when they're very young. Uh, Kids, imagine, I want you to think about this. How would your parents feel, kids, If they hadn't seen you in three days, they had lost you for three days. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who were hearing him were amazed at his understanding and at his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. I bet they were really mad too, right? And probably incredibly relieved at the same time. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know I would be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. Now, this, this probably seems like a, a strange response. I mean, but, but looking back, right, we know he's referring to his heavenly father. But Mary and Joseph apparently didn't get it at the time. Okay. Now, you can be sure, though, that Jesus, he did not sin by saying this in a snarky, sarcastic way. You know, he seriously thought they should know that he would be in the temple. They should know where he was. Reading on And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his father, excuse me, his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, this right here, this this is one amazing passage. Okay, because for one thing, how crazy is it that the God who made the universe was willing to place Himself under subjection to imperfect human parents? I think it's also very interesting that his mother treasured all these things up in her heart. You know, this saying only shows up one other time in the Bible. That's in Luke chapter 1, when Mary is, uh, I is, uh, can't think of the word. Mary and Joseph are dedicating their child, essentially, but they're having him circumcised. He's at the temple, and, uh, and Simon and, and Hannah, is it Hannah? Craig, help me out. Simon and, and Anna come over, and they, and they begin to prophesy and, and talk about how they're seeing the Messiah. And it says, Mary treasured all these things up in her heart. But, but listen, kids. This is something that moms do, okay? And dads do this too, right? But I love that the Bible mentions it, that parents treasure up these special things in their hearts about their kids. This is all the more reason for you kids to be good and to to give your moms joy throughout both childhood and adulthood, okay? But another cool thing about this passage is that even Jesus Christ himself had to grow in wisdom and stature, and in favor with others. And hey, if you don't know what those words mean, that's okay, we're gonna to get to it, okay? But have you ever thought about the fact that Jesus didn't just like come out as a baby already knowing everything? Like he wasn't just born and we're like, oh, well, I'm the son of God. No, that Jesus had to be brought up. He had to be taught. He had to grow. He had to learn and, and experience life, and he would grow physically and, and mentally and emotionally and, and psychologically and spiritually just like you, kids. Anyway, there's there's a couple of things about this passage we're going to apply to our own lives today. And so, again, young people, stick with me. Stick with me, okay? One important thing for you to remember is that you are commanded by the Lord to be submissive to your parents and to other God-ordained authority. Even Jesus did. This is an, it, it's, it's a, it's a non negotiable. This is a very important part of growing up to be a godly oak tree instead of a, a weed. And the second thing is that we should desire to increase in wisdom and stature and in favor. That's literally the word is grace, charis, agreed, with God and man, just like Jesus did. So, so these two points of discussion are our main two things today that we're going to be talking about. And I hope you can listen carefully because this message, listen. I, I mean, I'm looking around this room. Jacob and Elizabeth and Finn and, and Evie and Evie and, and, and Ben and, and I don't know where Cammie uh, is. She There she is. I see her. She's hiding. You know, all these little people. Listen. Listen today. I want you to hear this because this is how you can win at life. Okay. From a biblical point of view, this is how you win at life. So first, we're going to talk about what it means to be properly submissive. Okay. Now, in case you don't know, to submit means literally to place oneself under. That's the word means in Greek. To place oneself under uh, someone or something else, and it means honoring that person or honoring that body of teaching and responding humbly. Well, what does humble mean? We're kind of gonna. You'll see as we go along here. Being properly submissive means keeping that attitude in the appropriate way that God wants us to. Okay. Now, in human relationships, the first and most foundational, maybe maybe important is a better word for, for kids, but the first and most important one that you'll probably ever have is with the people who gave you life, with your parents. And it's also the first human relationship where you learn to be submissive. And you should. The Bible is clear. Children, obey your parents. It's part of the reading from this morning that Dana read. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. That's from Colossians 3.20. But it's also, it's woven all throughout the fabric of the Bible to obey parents. And Paul gives a little more info about why parents, uh, excuse me, why children should obey their parents. And he gives it to us in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, we we should probably just accept that that it pleases the Lord, and that's a good enough reason on its own, but but there's still a a practical reason. We're going to look at this. Uh, Verses 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. In other words, there is both a spiritual and a physical blessing that's associated, connected, with honoring your mother and father and with obeying them. I mean, did you know this this is the only command in the Bible that's given specifically to children? It's the only one. Obey your parents. And even when you're a grown-up and you're not required to obey your parents in the same way, you still receive blessing by honoring them and, and by being submissive to them with your attitude. In fact, Proverbs 23, verse 22 says, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Now, you little people, some of you probably think your mom's old. Mm -mm. She's not old. If God requires us to respect and honor our parents, even when when we're no longer under their authority, how important is it that we obey them when we live in their home, when we're subject to their rules. It's so very important. Children, obey your parents. Now, you young folks may wonder if if maybe this command applies even when your parents say something that sounds really dumb to you. Or maybe if if you see that they don't practice what they preach as well as they should. Well, the answer is Yes, it applies even then. It applies even then. I know that may be hard to believe, and I know this may be harder to believe, but your parents know what is best for you way better than you do. And even while they they don't do a perfect job of parenting, none of us do, they will not do a perfect job. They won't even do a perfect job of living out their own faith sometimes, but God commands you to obey them. It is a strong reminder to us when we see that even Jesus Christ, God the Son and Savior of the world, obeyed his earthly parents. So look, if the only eternally perfect person who ever lived can choose to be submissive to his imperfect, flawed parents, how much more should you? Besides the fact it will provide blessing for you and the fact that God commands it there's another reason that's extremely important uh, to, to obey your parents. It, it's When you obey your parents, it helps you to have a submissive attitude and obey your heavenly father. If you rebel against your parents, okay, not only is it true that you will rebel against the Lord, you already are rebelling against the Lord because God has commanded you. To obey your parents. He had made them the authority in your life, and you are rebelling against them, you're rebelling against God. And that's not just for you little ones, that's for you teens, too. Okay, so our obedience as children under parents should be as to the Lord. Now, now, obviously, all Christians should obey God. Okay? In fact, the the one time that it would be wrong for children. To to obey their parents would be if that if that parent's telling them to do something that goes against the Lord's rules. It's the only time. But a godly parent also should be consistent. So listen, parents, we should be consistent in applying God's rules in our own lives as well as in the lives of our children. And kids, hopefully, will never ask you to do something that we know to be wrong. Still, not everyone grows up in a Christian home, and, and, and no Christian parent is always godly in our behavior. We all make mistakes. We all mess up. So rather than looking to us to be your perfect example, look to Jesus Christ as your perfect example. Look at, at the Bible. Read it for yourself and see what Jesus did, and then try to live like that. And if you see one of your parents doing something that you know is wrong... Who knows? Maybe God is going to use your your gentle and respectful correction to help your parents. Okay, so another thing that you need to do as a young person who follows Christ, you must be prepared to submit to God-ordained authority in your lives in other areas. This is likely, at most of you for your younger age, this is likely going to be your teacher's. You know, when you're school age, we're talking about your teachers here, but also it applies to, to police officers with respect to the law. It's going to apply to your boss with respect to the workplace. It's going to, uh, it applies to um, church leaders with respect to your spiritual life or, or anyone else that is over you in your daily walk, your daily life. So young people, that includes your Sunday school teachers. Young people, listen to me. They tell you to sit down and be quiet. If you disobey them, you are disobeying God. You need to understand that. This is proper to obey your Sunday school teachers. You should always respond to people in authority with respect and a submissive attitude unless they tell you to do something that is the opposite of God's commands or if they tell you to do something against what your parents have taught you. Okay, so for for all of you young people, here's the authority authority uh, the order, the hierarchy, that's a big word, okay. Uh, th- this is how authority should look in your life. God should be first. And then under God should be your parents, okay? And then anybody else that's in authority over you. Now, it may have occurred to you that you're not always going to be a child, okay? It may feel like you're always going to be a child, but you will not always be a child. And when you go up, listen to me, kids, the nature of your relationship, how you how you interact with your parents, that changes Okay? It's going to change. When that happens, hopefully, hopefully, you already have learned to obey God because you learned to obey your parents. Now, if you did not learn to obey your parents, you will have a really hard time learning to obey God, and you will receive discipline from God for this. You're also going to see uh, lots of change in your life as you grow. You know, first, first, you're going to grow to take care of yourself as a person. Then you're going to, you're going to learn to take care of other people. You know, last week we talked about the priest Eli. Some of your parents might remember. He was, a, he was a judge for a while in Israel. Um, he really wasn't a good father to his own two sons because he, he clearly didn't, he didn't discipline them well. So they ended up rebelling against him and they rebelled against God. And interestingly to me, one of the signs that God had decided to strike them dead was that they were not obedient to their father. Anyway, Eli was also the foster father to a young man named Samuel who had the right submissive spirit. And there's this cool parallel between the story of Samuel and the story of, of Jesus as a boy. Um, in fact, the Bible says almost the same thing about both of them. In 1 Samuel 2:26, we read, Now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with God And with man, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Right? Now listen, my young friends, this is what God expects from you, to be properly submissive and to grow. To grow. He wants you to grow. Life life gets a whole lot more interesting when you start being in charge of your own growth. You know, like right now, your parents are doing it for you, for the most part. We send you off to school, you know, or take you to school, or we homeschool you, We, we feed you. We make sure that you're eating and sleeping well. Uh, we, we do things to protect your physical well-being, your emotional well-being. We bring you to church. These are all ways that your parents encourage your growth. But the older that you get, the less you're, you're going to have them as a part of your growth. The less will be involved, and the more you're going to have to learn to help yourself grow. You're going to have to, to get that discipline to eat your vegetables, you know, and to go to bed at a decent time, and to work hard at whatever the Lord gives you to do, you know, or else you'll become unhealthy. Listen, one day you're going to need to wake yourself up for church. You know, you you need to to, to learn to do that. You're going to have to schedule prayer time for yourself, time to be in the Word for yourself, you know, and not, not because you're being forced to, but because you know it's right and you know it's best. And you're going to have to avoid doing things that you know are wrong instead of having your parents build that fence around you. You're going to have to choose not to do those things. If you don't, you will suffer spiritually, maybe die. Your parents want the best for you. So it is the desire of every godly parent and their children what will grow in wisdom and in, in stature and in favor with God and man. So that's what we want for you, but what does that look like? Okay, stick with me, kids. Stick with me. How can you grow, for starters, in wisdom? I mean, what what is wisdom anyway? Basically, wisdom means knowing how to be faithful and successful in life and then to make an effort to do so. It's not just knowledge. It's knowledge with application. Okay? i got a question for all you kids. So you with me? Evie and Evie and Ben and Cammie. Finn, you guys with me? You with me? Jacob, Elizabeth, you here? You got me? All right. Do you want to have a good life? Raise your hand if you want to have a good life. Sort of, okay. You don't want a good life, Ben? Oh, you raised it. I just missed it. Okay, that's because I'm imperfect and flawed. So there you go. Okay, so we all want to, you can put your hands down. We all want to have a good life. If you want to have a good life, listen, grow in wisdom. It's not just for you little ones. You know, I look around this room. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Casey. I, I see you. I see you. Josh, I see you. I see you. Brynn Hudson, you're not looking at me, but I'm looking at you. I see you. I see you guys. You know, we are all, listen, if you want to be successful at life, you need to be wise. And the Bible makes it very clear how to do that. It starts with something simple. Fear the Lord. Fear of Yahweh, and that, obviously, this is God. Fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Fools have despised wisdom and destruction. And, excuse me, and instruction. Well, you know, there you go. So learning to submit to God and to God's word is the first way to grow in wisdom and knowledge. And for goodness sake, guys, be teachable. Be teachable. Listen to when people wiser than you give you advice. If you don't, you're being a fool. Listen to people. Fools are those that don't like other people to teach them. Okay? But there's another way that God grows us up in wisdom, and it's in the next verse. He says, Hear, my son, the instruction of your father, and do not leave the law of your mother, for they are a graceful wreath to your head and chains for your neck. That's from Proverbs 1. That's really early in the book of wisdom, okay? Very early on, and and this is the book of the Bible most known for sharing wisdom, we learn that wisdom comes from having a respectful and obedient attitude towards God first and then to our parents. Does that surprise you? You Now, whether it surprised you or not, are you willing to try to change your attitude towards God and towards your parents? Because they are deeply intertwined. If your attitude toward your parents is one of non-submission, of prideful rebellion, that will be your attitude toward God because it currently is your attitude toward God, whether you like it or not. Now, it's possible, I guess, that some of you, especially you older kids maybe, have already grown into the bad habit of being disrespectful towards your parents. But listen, it is, it is absolutely possible, and I'm gonna say, and necessary, to repent of that and to grow up to be who God wants you to be. You know, ask God to give you, and he will ask him to give you a humble and submissive attitude and to provide wisdom for you. You know, one of my favorite passages is James 1, verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Basically, that means God isn't going to tell you no if you ask for wisdom. Instead, he he might say, I've just been waiting for you to ask. So fearing God, learning his word, and reading it regularly, and having an obedient heart, this this will take you far in life. It will help the rest of your growth to happen. Now, along with wisdom, you should also expect to grow in stature. Every year, for a while anyway, you should get a little bit wiser as you get older. you You should grow a little bit taller for a while. And your mind and your body and even your emotions will become more adult. Now, the interesting thing about this is that you will grow simply because that's what you were created to do, like all living things. And so as long as you are receiving the proper input, you will grow. Food, exercise, rest, these things will help you grow physically. Physically. You know, by learning and by interacting with other people, you're going to grow relationally and all these other uh, important ways. Reading the Word of God for yourself and spending time for yourself in prayer and in worship, that will cause you to grow spiritually. And I think it's neat how this works. You know, see, the, the, the cool thing about growing in stature is as long as you're doing the things you're supposed to do, you don't have to force the growth to happen. It just happens as a natural result. So when you think about growing in stature, think in terms of maturity. Okay, that's that's basically a word that means fully grown. To be mature is to be fully grown. And this is what every child should should both look forward to and also not be in a huge rush to get to. Okay? It's good to enjoy being a kid when you're a kid. But even when you're a kid, even as a kid, you should be prepared to grow in every way and not just physically. Physically. You know, you young kids should listen to this next part. I'm especially speaking to you that have that have entered your teenage years though. Okay? This is this is for you guys. To not grow up on the inside when you are growing up on the outside is a huge mistake. It's a huge mistake and it's partially on you if you're not. Cuz believe it or not, once you get to the place where you start expecting to to experience some of the freedoms of adulthood, like staying out later, like like driving, stuff like that, you should already be enjoying some of the responsibilities of adulthood. Those responsibilities, it's just like when the Lord says you've been faithful with little, then I'll allow you to be faithful with much, right? If you play video games in all your free time and you don't want to get a job, you are not behaving like an adult. You should not be given the keys to a car. In fact, I'm going to back that up a little bit further. If you, if you want to get a job to earn some goof-off money, but you can't even do your chores around the house, well, why should you assume you'd be able to keep a job? You're going to have to make some more mature choices if you want to become someone mature. Okay, In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, Paul says, When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Right? He says, but what? When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but we have made the huge mistake of putting this this imaginary spot between childhood and adulthood and call it teenagers, where kids think that they can act like an adult but without having the responsibilities of being one. That is a fallacy. Okay? When you become a man, when you become a young woman, you give up childish ways. You know, even before you start to look like a man or a woman, you ought to start making every effort to think like a godly man, like a godly woman, or else you're just wasting time, and that's at best. By the way, the word godly is key to maturity for a Christian. In the next chapter, Paul wrote, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. And then he says this, Be infants in evil... But in your thinking, be mature. Alex and Brett Harris, who wrote the book Do Hard Things, which I recommend you kids read, by the way, um, they said that our current culture has this backwards. I think so. I think so. I think Too many young people today are little babies in their thinking, but they're mature and evil. This is the opposite of God's desire. The Lord wants us, even at a young age, He wants us to chase after holiness and chase after Christ-likeness. He wants us to pursue being like Jesus. And that is how you become an oak instead of a weed. I mean, a mature oak is an awesome thing, you know? Think of a big, strong, beautiful tree with birds nesting in its branches and and squirrels and and chipmunks living off its acorns or or acorns, as he said in the video. I mean, think about how it stands firm against the strong winds and, and the things that, that, that come along that are stormy in its life stands up against those things. Wouldn't you rather be an oak instead of a weed? I'm not sure I still have you kids, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going here. We're on our descent. The plane is landing soon, okay? Stick with me. Stick with me. Finally, children of God, you need to grow in favor, in grace with God and man. Now what does that look like? It's really tricky because because fallen man does not appreciate and approve of, of or respect everything that God has deemed approval for. Some things man says, "Well, this is the opposite of what God says." But there are some specific areas Paul mentions in his first letter to Timothy. But by the way, this is when when Little Timmy was a young man that was still in charge of the Ephesian church, okay? Paul said, Let no one despise you for your youth. I had this memorized in the NIV, so I like the way that says it. It says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Say, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Bear with me, guys. We're going to very briefly look at these five areas, and we're going to wrap her up, okay? Rather than than letting anyone look down on you for being a youngster, okay? Set a godly example in your speech. In your speech. One of the best passages for a young person to memorize, and I think us older folks should memorize this too, is Ephesians 4.29. It says, uh, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is useful for building others up or edifying others according to their needs in order that it may benefit those who listen. Let no corrupting, no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. So speak things that are good for people, not bad for them, okay? A lot of the, the dark humor jokes that seem to be in style right now are not good for people. They are detrimental. They are not beneficial. Stop saying them, okay? Okay? That's very in style, but it's usually not edifying. It's often offensive, all right? So keep that in mind. This next one, conduct. Uh, It's translated life in the NIV, but conduct is huge, okay? Conduct is a word that means how we behave. It's basically your visible life, how people see you, right? So even at a young age, you, Ben, you can set an example in godly conduct, even at the age of 11. Now, how does that look from the outside? I want to, let me ask you this. What thought does the word teenager bring to your mind? Finn, what do you think of when you think of a teenager? Middle-aged men drinking beer. I'm so glad I asked him. Wow. Okay. Um, No, so a teenager is between the ages of 13 and 19, um, or including those ages. We don't exactly... uh, I don't exactly recognize that, though. I'm not not real fond of the term teenager. But anyway, um, do this exercise with I want everybody to think of this. What does teenager evoke in your mind? Do you think of people that are in semi-adult bodies acting like brats? Do you think of big kids that are complaining, being uh, undisciplined, arrogant, belligerent, selfish, lazy people, rebellious. Well, it definitely does not have to be that way. In fact, it should not be that way. We've made it easy for them to be that way, though, by having low expectations for them. And that is not what God calls anyone to be, regardless of whether they're 13 or 19 or whatever. No, how refreshing would it be if all Christians, even young ones, were grateful instead of complaining? were disciplined instead of being undisciplined? What if they were gentle instead of belligerent and humble instead of arrogant? What if they were selfless instead of selfish? What if they were all diligent instead of lazy? Is this possible? Of course it is. Because if you're a child of God, the same Holy Spirit that lives in your parents lives in you. The same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus Christ lives in you. It doesn't matter if you're 13 or 93, Craig. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you, you are called, you are empowered to live according to God's will. Adults, I'm speaking to you. Our culture, including us, we need to stop acting like, like teenagers and teenagers or some kind of different animal, you know. We gotta stop, stop treating them like they're something, some, some, some other box. Kids are kids until they start taking on both adult freedoms and adult responsibilities. Both, not one or the other. Okay? But all along the way, they, you, you kids, you should be growing up in your role as a Christian. You know, one of my favorite passages in Philippians starts in 2.14. Some of us are familiar with this. And it reminds us to do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish. That means without flaw, if possible. Obviously, we're not going to get there, but we're going to strive for that in the midst of a crooked and depraved generation among whom we shine. I love that phrase. We shine like stars as we hold out the word of life or as we cling to the word of life, depending on how it's translated. See, we honor God by shining like stars in the darkness around us. And that darkness, it might be be your school, it might be your friend group, it might be your neighborhood, your workplace, it might even be your family if you're not in a Christian home. But God expects even you young people, even children, to shine like stars for him. So let your your, your conduct reflect godliness. All right, that was the longest one. All right, let's go. What else? Despite being young, God desires you to set an example in love. That means both for loving him and for loving other people, okay? Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So loving him means obeying him, okay? And in Galatians 5, we read that the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So a big part of obeying God is loving people. I mean, that's a tall order sometimes, but this is what we're supposed to do. When people when people see Christians loving especially when they see us loving one another you know Jesus said when, when they see how you love they'll know that you are my disciples It's like the Psalm says they will know we are Christians by our love speech conduct love you must also set an example young people in your faith, this is a toughie because for a lot of young people, you don't even know exactly what you believe. I mean, hopefully your parents are raising you in Christ even before you know what it means to be in Christ. The Christian faith is a mixture. Listen, children, we're, listen, stick with me. The Christian faith is a mixture of knowing the truth and living the truth. Okay. The truth that we need to accept, first of all, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for mine so that we can go to heaven instead of hell. And we need to recognize that He rose from the grave, and God's plan all along is to save His people from our sins. That's why He sent Jesus. And kids, if you believe this, then you should tell the church that you believe this, and you should be baptized as the Bible commands, and then live for Jesus. And hopefully, you you have good examples around you to help you do this. Hopefully, you have. Godly parents in your home, maybe godly siblings, hopefully you're seeing it in, in the leadership and the other uh, your friends at church hopefully. the book of Hebrews tells us remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God and consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. See your your parents, your elders strive to provide that witness for you in your home and here at church and, and hopefully, you're seeing that in other places as well. Don't shrink back from that, okay? And lastly, kids, I'm saying the word. Lastly, here we go. I set said a godly example in purity. Our culture despises purity. Your friend groups, your, your schools, whatever, are so full of impurity, but God calls his people to live differently. In fact, we're given a warning in Ephesians 5. We don't talk about this enough. Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. You think he's serious? Do you think he's serious? I think he's serious. I think he means what he's writing here. So when your friends try to tell you to look at pictures of people with no clothes on, or listen to grody music, or to lie, or hide things from your parents. Listen, be reminded, God has warned us, all of us, even you young people. God has warned us, but with the power of his spirit working in us, guys, we can fight against the temptation to do what Satan wants. We can fight against that. We can be faithful to what Jesus wants us to do. And we can live in the way that God created us to live. And that shows the world who he is. And guess what, kids? It doesn't matter if you're... How old are you, Cammy? Seven. It doesn't matter if you're seven. You can start right now living for Jesus. You can start right now doing what God has called you to do. The choices that you make now are going to affect what you grow up to be. So here's that question again. What are you growing into? you an oak? Are you going to be a weed? Choose to be an oak. Start young. God wants to use you, kids. He wants to use you. He wants to be so apparent in your life that you're You're a vessel that he just flows through and shows other people about the love and the grace that you've received, the mercy that you've received. He can use you for that. Now this morning, there's going to be people here in this room who are probably not yet believers in Jesus Christ. Maybe you, or maybe you do believe, but you haven't gone through the process that God has commanded of you, which is to to repent, be baptized, to walk in obedience to Christ you have a chance this morning. You can do it this morning. Or maybe you're here and and you're like, you know, I've already been baptized. I've already professed my faith. I've already been walking as a Christian for some time. But I'm ready to join another body that perhaps I haven't uh, officially placed membership with yet. You can do that this morning. If you have something you're wanting prayer for, you say, you know, I, I feel like there's a need in my life and... I'm going to ask for prayer. You have an opportunity during this next time to do any of those things, okay? Don't say no to the Holy Spirit.